Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that this morning we might understand something of what it says. We know it's God-breathed, and and how can we understand everything? But just open it to us and let its light flood our lives, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now, friends, if you weren't here last Sunday, let me explain that uh, we're we're beginning, just beginning a, a short series in the letter to the Hebrews. Um, Our Lent course, when we're going to grapple with um, Christianity Explored, you'll hear more about that next Sunday. Ron is going to give a special presentation on that next Sunday. Um, That's only a couple of weeks away, so we won't get very far in Hebrews. Um, Nevertheless, I want to make a start. Uh, And as uh, we, we didn't really tie up all the loose ends last week, let me just add a few comments about the end of chapter 1. Now, the focus of Hebrews, quite clearly, is on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's on whom the spotlight is shining. And one one of the points that the writer to the Hebrews wants to stress particularly is the status of the Lord Jesus Christ superior to every other spiritual being, and in particular, superior to the angels. And he does this by quoting a number of of psalms uh, at the end of chapter 1. And he finishes chapter 1, of course, he didn't know anything about chapters, did he, really? But still, uh, they're useful to us. Chapter 1 finishes at verse 14 by asking the question, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And the answer is yes. That's what they are. They are servants. Servants of you and me. And they are only servants. That's the point he's making. They are only servants. But before we think about the status of angels, do we believe in angels? Well, I do. And I think there's good evidence for that in the scriptures. Uh, The Bible is quite clear. Both Old and New Testaments testify that angels do indeed exist. But you see, the important thing is not to confuse or misunderstand their function. That's why Hebrews 1.14 is so important. They are ministering spirits sent to serve you and me. I find that quite thrilling. That all around us, there is a host of spiritual Reality, spiritual existence. Do you remember that lovely story in the Old Testament? It used to thrill me as a child uh, of Elisha uh, at Dothan um, when he and uh, a very few folk were, were, were there and an opposing army was um, approaching. And his young servant was so worried and... Elisha prayed, Lord, open this young man's eyes. And the young man looked, and he saw horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And Elisha said, more are they that are with us than they that are with them. And that's true. All around us, horses and chariots of fire, ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. But human beings being human beings, we would get 
um, knocked off course if we concentrated on all these wonderful spiritual beings. So the writer of the Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Your focus has got to be on him from beginning to end because the angels, the angels are ministering spirits. They're servants. Do you remember upstairs, downstairs? Do you remember? I mean, you weren't there at the time, of course, but um, you remember how uh, servants were treated in those days? You'd be sitting in front of the fire and the fire was, uh, you know, going down a bit, subsiding a bit. So you'd ring the bell and Mary would come up from the depths to the drawing room, and you would say, uh, put a little coal on the fire, Mary, will you please? And you'd think to yourself, if you've got any sense, what a lazy couch potato I am that I didn't get up and put the coal on the fire myself. But you see, that's what servants were for, to put coal on the fire. And although we mustn't despise the angels, we must realize that they are servants sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. And of course, one of the um, functions of angels, one of the parts of their servanthood is to be a messenger. You remember when the angel Gabriel came to Mary at Nazareth, he said that Mary's son would be called Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, the one who saves. And when a whole host of angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds, their message was, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. And the message that the angels bring is a message of salvation. And you know, if there's anyone here who hasn't really understood fully that message of salvation, that as Elizabeth was praying, we must depend upon him for everything. And then you can't work your way to heaven. It's impossible he is the only one who can bring us into the presence of God. If there's anyone here who hasn't understood that, come and see me. Come and talk to me. Because as verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? It's a, a, a spine-chilling verse. Verse 4 speaks of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to come back to verse 4 in a moment and pass on to verses 5 to 9. Uh, we have one of those quotations from the Psalms of which the writer is so fond, and this time it's from Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. The psalmist is talking about you and me, man um, as one of my Greek professors used to say, man embracing woman. Now, is everything in the world subject to you and me? Is everything subject to Christ? Well, I don't think so. We're subject to the weather, to disease, to the ravages of old age, to the forces of nature, to the consequence of our sin. And the name of Jesus is trampled again and again and again. But that isn't the end of the story. That isn't the end of the story. In putting everything under him, verse 8, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. That, that isn't the reality. But, 
we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels, verse 9, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. There are three levels of reality here. First of all, we have the fact that God intends everything to be subject to us and to Christ. But manifestly, it's not. Secondly, we have the fact that although our Savior shared our humanity and in doing so accepted a lower status, he is now crowned with glory and honor. And then we have that promise from verse 4. We have the fact that as a result of what he has done, not only is our salvation assured and our sins are forgiven, but the life of God himself is available to us through the Holy Spirit. I was tremendously helped um, by my Bible notes this week. If you read Encounter with God, Scripture Union Bible notes, um, you'll know that on Tuesday this week, our study passage was part of this second chapter of Hebrews. Um, Steve Mateer was writing the notes very helpfully. And he put it like this. He said, first of all, we're victims. Victims of the forces of nature and the consequence of our sin. Everything is not subject to us or to Christ. So Jesus also became a victim. He died for our sake. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. He became a victim. But now he is no longer a victim. He is a victor, crowned with glory and honor. And through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can share his victory and be filled with his life. And the simple, simple way of putting it, is to say he stood in our shoes so we could stand in his. He became a little lower than the angels. Now he is crowned with glory and honor and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit we can share that victory. Does the devil come to you so often as he comes to me and makes you ashamed of the things that you've done and said and thought? What we need to say to him is, you have nothing to do with me, Satan. What you, what you say is true of someone else. Actually, I am a new person in Christ. I am now with the Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. And one day I shall be with him crowned with glory and honor because wherever he is, I am. I am in Christ. You remember the um, illustration Nicky Gumbel used? Um, in, in the Alpha Course for being in Christ. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ, and here are you and me, and inside, there we are. And wherever this book goes, that piece of paper goes, and wherever Christ is, you and I are. We are in Christ, crowned with glory and honor. One of my spiritual heroes is a man called Joseph de Verster better known as uh, Father Damien. He was a Belgian Roman Catholic priest who went to the island of Molokai in the South Seas um, to minister to the people suffering from leprosy. One of the bits of the story that I find quite thrilling is the fact that there was a, a company of young men, priests, and the bishop stood before them and said he wanted a volunteer to go to Molokai. And of course, they knew that once they set foot on Molokai, they would never, ever leave it 
because in those days they thought that leprosy was a very contagious disease. Well, you do eventually catch leprosy in that way, but, but it takes a long time. However, they knew that once they foot, set their foot on Molokai, they would never ever leave it. And do you know, about a dozen of them stood up and claimed that privilege. And Damien was chosen because he was the biggest and strongest. <laughs> and the bishop knew that you had to be big and beefy to do the job that he had to do. And so when he got to Molokai, he built the houses of the people suffering from leprosy. He tended their wounds. He dug their graves. He constructed a system of running water, which took water from the center of the island to the village, so that as the people suffering from leprosy became more and more helpless, they didn't face the almost impossible task of carrying the water home. One evening, as he was washing his feet, he suddenly noticed blisters forming on his feet and on his legs. And he realized that he couldn't feel the scalding water. And he knew then that he himself was suffering from leprosy. Now that man's sacrificial life, his sacrificial love, wrought a miracle. He stood in the shoes of the people suffering from leprosy so that in some sense they could stand in his shoes and live a life and die a death ameliorated in its pain and distress and in some kind of dignity. And I hesitate to use the word comfort, but perhaps that's the only word I can use. He stood in their shoes so they could stand in his. And Jesus stood in our shoes so that we could stand in his. Verses 10 and 11. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. And when Damien stood before the people suffering from leprosy on the Sunday after he discovered he too was suffering from leprosy, instead of addressing them as my, my friends, as he always had done, he said, my dear fellow lepers. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Now, for the rest of the chapter, there are four wonderful consequences. Um, next Sunday, Ron will be grappling with Hebrews chapter 3. I'm not quite sure, perhaps, whether you will or won't, Ron, because at the end of this chapter, there's so much. So maybe, maybe uh, you'd like to deal with 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. I don't know. I don't, I'll leave that up to you, brother. <laughs> But I feel as if, you know, I, I, I'm like my wife cleaning the bath and she's got a big sponge full of water and she just plops it down instead of wringing it out like that. But I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. Because I just want to mention these, these four wonderful consequences and they're so good and so great and so wonderful that it would be such a shame just to sort of gloss over them and then go on to chapter three. Anyway. Verse 14, 
Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Isn't that great? The devil is destroyed, smashed, once and for all. He may still be on the warpath, but actually his doom is written. Because our Savior shared our humanity by his death, and it's by his death, that he has destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And, and that's the incredible thing. You see, the devil thought, and all the forces of evil thought, that they were going to finish off Jesus by nailing him to the cross. And it had the precise opposite effect, didn't it? Precisely the opposite effect. And if you, if you um, turn, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll read you this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We speak a message of wisdom amongst the mature. Not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory because in doing so, they smashed their own kingdom. They wrote their own doom. By his death, he has destroyed him who had the power of death. That's the first consequence. Second consequence, because the power of death has been destroyed, we need be afraid no longer. The slavery of fear is over and we can be free. You afraid of dying? Uh, it was Woody Allen who said he wasn't afraid of dying. He just didn't want to be around when it, when it took place. Um, well, I suppose dying can be a, a, a painful process. Yes, of course it can. I have been, and many of you have been, close to people who have had very difficult deaths. Yes. And please God, there will be help and assistance in the physical fact of dying. But leaving that aside for one moment, we don't need to fear death, do we? Because death is the gate of life. Forever with the Lord, amen, so let it be. Life from the dead is in that word, it is immortality. Here in the body pent, that is locked up, absent from him I roam, yet nightly pitch my moving tent, a day's march nearer home. There's no fear for a Christian. Verse 17, our merciful and faithful high priest has made atonement for our sins. And the alienation between man and God is at an end. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement. It has been done. It's paid. Someone once said, Jesus, with his own blood, has written paid across the ledgers of heaven. That he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And then verse 18, because he has stood in our shoes, he knows the sting of temptation, the relentless urge to please ourselves instead of pleasing God. And as a result, when the battle is too much for us, if we turn to him, he will give us the power to win through. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He is able to help us. Help is at hand as well as that way of escape of which uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 
7 verse 10, I think it is. I'm not sure of the reference. I'm like the writer of the Hebrews. Someone has said. There is a way of escape, but there is also a helper, and that is a reality. So you see, there's so much in those verses, isn't there? And, and, and it would be a shame if, if all the wonderful truth wasn't sort of squeezed out. But uh, if Ron wants chapter 3, you'll have chapter 3. I can come back to it after Easter. I'll leave it to you, brother. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the thrilling testimony of your word that the devil has been destroyed, that we don't have to fear death anymore, that atonement has been made and we are one with you. We're welcome into the presence of the King of Kings because we are in Christ, because his righteousness is ours just as our sin was his, and that he is with us every step of the way. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful truths. Just write them on our hearts, we pray. And we ask for his name's sake. Amen.